Well, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. So as we continue to press on uh, through this Easter season, we're going to continue to celebrate and focus on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and, and largely on what that resurrection means for you. We've looked a little bit about how the resurrection of Jesus impacts your future, that it has forever earned for you an eternal, unshakable, unfading inheritance in heaven or in the full, when the fullness of the kingdom of God comes in your future. It also changes your right now. The hope that you've been born again into through the resurrection of Jesus is meant to provide peace and joy for you in the present moment, whatever's going on in that moment. And it's meant to inspire and empower you to press through whatever challenges you may be facing as you hope in and trust in that eternal inheritance. Listen, whatever you're going through right now or whatever you might possibly go through in the future, the hope you have and your eternal inheritance in Jesus is meant to energize and motivate you to press through, plow through, and keep going through it, no matter what happens now or in the future. Uh, And this morning, I want us to take just a few minutes and look again, look a little more at how the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is to impact our lives right now. Now, this week's epistle lesson is from 1 Peter chapter 1. The official lesson begins at verse 17, but I want us to back up to verse 13 uh, and, and read a passage there. And so in just a moment, I'm going to read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 20. If you want to stand, feel free to do that. If, you, if you're comfortable and want to stay seated, feel free to do that. But I'm going to read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 20. This is what the Bible says. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on the Father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver, or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Praise the Lord. That's the word of the Lord. And we're going to look at it together for a few minutes this morning. Now, in the flow from the passage we looked at in 1 Peter last week, chapter 1, to the passage we're looking at in 1 Peter 1 this week, the flow from the one to the other, in that flow, verse 13 really provides the transition. Because right there in verse 13, it calls you once again to walk in the hope of your coming inheritance. Here's what it says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. The grace you are soon to receive, but have not yet received in all of its fullness. Listen, God is calling you to live in hope. We've been talking about this for a couple weeks now. God is calling you to live in hope no matter what's going on right now, no matter what may go on in the future. God is calling you to live in hope and to fix that hope 
fully on what is to come when Jesus returns. The grace and the salvation that will abound in that day when the fullness of the kingdom of God comes. And with that thought in mind, this transition verse, verse 13, tries now to move you from from a hope that is sort of passive into a hope that is active. To move you from the temptation just to look back fondly on the past or to look forward dreamily into the future and instead to have a hope that calls you to full throttle action right now. The verse begins, therefore. Therefore, in light of this inheritance that is waiting for you, that God Himself is holding for you, therefore prepare your minds for action. The verb here in the original Greek refers to the act of girding up your loins before you run or before you work. It comes from a time and a place in the world where people used to wear flowy robes or flowy uh, tunics as their outer garments. And before you could accomplish any sort of serious physical activity, you had to gird up the loins of those garments. You had to pull up the flowy ends of your tunic or the flowy ends of your robe and wrap it up and tie it up around your waist so you didn't trip over it or or get tangled up in it when you tried to do the work you were wanting to do. It was a necessary step, a necessary preparation if you hoped to get anything meaningful done. Now, as I often say, we're in a weird time right now where people are cooped up in their homes and many of them are sitting there wondering, what in the world do I do with myself? And I believe the Apostle Peter speaks directly into a time just like this and says, get your mind ready to go to work for the kingdom of God. When Peter calls you to fix your hope on the inheritance that is still to come, he absolutely does not mean sit back and kind of wistfully think about the future. Peter never envisioned a time where Christians kind of twiddled their thumbs, waiting for Jesus to come back. Rather, he says plainly, prepare your minds for action. Grab hold of any flowy things flittering around in your mind and gird them up and tie them off and get ready to work. Gird them up and tie them off and get ready to run with the kingdom of God. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. But in the meantime, right now, there is work for you to do. And you need to get your head ready for that. Therefore, therefore prepare your minds for action, Peter writes. And he continues, be self-controlled. The original Greek word here literally means to be sober. And I mean it, it literally means to be sober. It means don't be drunk. Don't be intoxicated. Instead, as you get your mind ready for the work of God, make sure you are clear-headed. Make sure you have all your wits about you. Because while you're waiting for that coming inheritance, you have a work to do. And it is the very work of God. You need to understand the inheritance that's waiting for. You need to appreciate it. You need to genuinely delight in that inheritance that you're waiting for. But you also need to understand that in the kingdom of God, there are no trust fund babies. You know what a trust fund baby is? It's a term that that comes out of the world of really, really rich people. At least that's what really, really rich people say. And it refers to people who live idly or wastefully 
day by day in this world, trusting that they're going to be taken care of because of the huge inheritance that's waiting for them. It's a term of derision. It's a term of scorn, typically applied to ungrateful rich kids who live off their inheritance and never do anything meaningful or productive with their own lives. Apply to ungrateful, self-centered people who don't care a whit about the desires, the wants, or the reputation of the one who earned the inheritance they're enjoying. And, And this idea of trust fund babies is the exact opposite of how the Apostle Peter says you and I are to respond to the inheritance we have waiting for us. Because of God's great mercy and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, you've been born again into a living hope. You've been born again into an eternal, unshakable, unfading inheritance that God Himself is holding on for you to and for you right now. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Get your head ready to do the work of God. Be self-controlled, clear-headed, and focused because that is the only legitimately reasonable response to the grace of God we have in Jesus. Peter continues, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Now, I just need to go ahead and admit right here that the concepts Peter covers in these few verses are not at all popular today. For instance, Peter begins by exhorting you to function as obedient children. Now, who likes, especially if you're over the age of 10, who wants to be called an obedient child? But Peter says you need to function as obedient children. Grown man that you are, grown woman that you are, big, strong, educated, self-reliant, uh, self-confident go-getter that you are. When it, uh, it doesn't matter your station in life. It doesn't matter uh, if you're married or not. It doesn't matter if you're living on your own or not. It doesn't matter if you're 18 years old, if you're over 21, if you're 65 and retired. It doesn't matter if you've got your own children. It doesn't matter if you own your own business. When it comes to following Jesus, you assume the posture of an obedient child. You acknowledge that Jesus is smarter than you, Jesus is bigger than you, Jesus is better than you, and Jesus is over you, just as he should be. And listen, if you struggle taking orders, you're going to struggle following Jesus. And some of you may be sitting there thinking, hey, Pastor Billy, I am, I am fine taking orders from Jesus. I am fine taking orders from God. I just don't like taking orders from people. At least I don't like taking orders from certain people. But if I could be 100% honest with you, I'd have to tell you that most people who talk that way are deceiving themselves. The truth is, God is the one who established human authority. And it's God who tells you to honor them. It's God who tells you to obey them. So when you say you're happy to obey Jesus, but you struggle obeying your parents, or when you say you're happy to obey God, but you chafe at the thought of obeying your boss, when you say you gladly honor the Lord, but you refuse to honor civil authorities, you don't honor the president or the governor or the mayors or whatnot. You say you honor God, but you don't honor your spouse. When you say you honor God, but then you dishonor 
his delegated human authority? The truth is, you're not honoring God. Because you simply cannot honor God and dishonor the people he's put in your life. So if the notion of viewing yourself as an obedient child is a notion that kind of grates on you, I want to encourage you to take some time to back up and check your heart. Evaluate your heart and your self-concept. And then step boldly and happily into the place God's assigned for you as humble servant and obedient child. As Christians, we admit and we embrace our weaknesses. As Christians, we admit and we embrace our failings and our neediness and our insufficiency because God has revealed himself to us as the all-sufficient one, our loving and gracious Heavenly Father. So God calls you to approach Jesus and your walk with Jesus as an obedient child, which means, listen, it's not about, listen, it's not about what you bring to the table. It's not about what you can do for him. It's not about your audacious faith. It's not about your amazing zeal. It's not about your incredible gifts. It's not about your spectacular willingness to sacrifice. Because honestly, it's not about you. Following Jesus is about Jesus. Going where Jesus goes, doing what Jesus wants done. It's about living and thinking and talking like Jesus. So Peter says, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. In other words, your job, my job, our job, your job, your calling is to be like him. You were created in his image. And now he wants you to go and act like it. Now, mind you, now that you have been born again, by the resurrection, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God doesn't want you to be like Him so He can love you and receive you. He already loves you. He's already received you in and because of Jesus. God wants you to be like Him because that's what you were created to do. And as someone who is looking forward to this ridiculous inheritance, an inheritance infinitely better than you can imagine, infinitely better than you could possibly deserve. God is calling you to spend that waiting time actively serving Him and His purposes. Prepare your mind for action and be holy as He is holy. Unfortunately, holiness in all honesty is something very few people talk about these days, even in Christian circles. It's my personal experience and it could be aberrant, but it's my personal experience that contemporary Christians, by and large, would rather be cool than holy. That contemporary Christians would rather fit in than be holy. Because the truth is, being holy means being different. It is the exact opposite of fitting in. Now, some of these people would argue, and their argument would be that they can better reach the lost if they're more closely connected to the lost. And the truth is, that's true. The, the, the better connected we are with the lost, the better we can reach them for Jesus. But the application they're using is completely wrong. Christians absolutely must connect with the lost. But you do that by loving them and caring for them, by talking to them and listening to them, 
by blessing them and helping them and spending lots and lots of time with them. You don't connect with the lost by looking and acting and sounding like the lost. Jesus mightily connected with the lost, and he looked and acted nothing like them. Jesus connected with prostitutes while remaining perfectly sexually pure. Jesus connected with drunks while never once abusing alcohol. Jesus connected with cheaters and sinners while living a life of moral perfection. Jesus connected deeply with the lost while obeying the law, keeping the Sabbath, and faithfully attending synagogue. Jesus connected deeply with the lost without ever having to tell dirty jokes, without ever using any profanity, and without ever having to join in and talking bad about other people. In fact, no one has ever come close to connecting and impacting the lost like Jesus did. And he did it while being holy, as the Father in heaven is holy. As you wait for your inheritance to come, you need to prepare your minds for action. You need to get ready and do the work of God, the work of the kingdom of God. And part of that work is to live a holy life, to be holy as God is holy, to set an example for how to live, to live differently in this world, to live differently from this world living with different motives and motivations and diff by different means, with different attitudes and different goals. People don't talk a lot about holiness these days, but they really ought to because a life lived in holiness is a life lived toward God. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ was meant to change how we live. Peter says, in effect, in everything you do, be different from the world because you're being like Jesus. And then he reinforces that thought by writing this, Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. Remember, the world is not your home. This world in its present state is not your home. In this world, you have no lasting inheritance. But you can live as a stranger in this world and still have a lasting impact on it. You can live as a stranger in this world while you love it and bless it and make it better. You can live as a stranger in this world while you prepare your minds for action and go out and do the work of God and the kingdom of God, which according to Peter is exactly how we should live in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And that resurrection has secured for you and for me an eternal, unshakable, unfading inheritance that God himself is holding for you. But there are no trust fund babies in the kingdom of God. God expects you while you wait on that inheritance to be busy working for Him in this world. So take hold of the hope you have. Walk in the joy and the peace of it. Let it drive you through whatever challenges you face. Take hold of the hope you have. Prepare your mind for action. Be self-controlled and sober in your thinking. Consider what it means for you in your particular circumstance to be holy in everything you do. How does that apply to you? What does that mean? Is there anything you need to adjust? Then go and make a difference with the life you have right now. Not just hoping wistfully for what's to come, but confident that it's coming. Gird your mind up for action 
and be busy with the work of the kingdom of God. Part of that work is the work of prayer, by the way. If you can't get around a lot of people to share with them and you're not good at sharing with them over social media, pray. Pray for them. Pray for, you know, pray for all people, all, all those in authority and regular people like you and me. Pray for the elders and the pastors as, as we try and figure out how to bless and help and lead the fellowship during this time. Pray for governmental leaders. Pray for your neighbors who are cooped up and don't know what to do with themselves. Pray for parents who are homeschooling who weren't planning on homeschooling and don't know what to do and are frustrated by that. Pray. If you, if you can't get a hold of anybody, you can get a hold of Jesus and pray for them. But let's be busy with the work of the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, as always, we thank you for the power and the clarity of your word through which you show us who you are, what you're like, what you want, who we are, what you've given us in Jesus and the Holy Spirit, what you've called us to. Father, we thank you for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the resurrection of Jesus through which we have a living hope and an eternal inheritance. Lord, help us to walk in that as you want us to, to be your agents of change in this world, the people you've called us and created us to be. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.